Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Sunday Conversation series. You love these, and so thank you for your feedback. People love listening to these episodes. We've interviewed awesome people on the show, Diana House and Diana Tower and Chris Zeno and Adam Earhart and Majid, and, and uh, is that it? I might, I might have forgotten somebody. Forgive me if I forgot you. Uh, they've been great. They've, had, they've been so much fun for me to conduct, and I get a lot of cool feedback as well. So today's guest is Bella Vasta, and we talk about a ton of stuff. Now, the reason I brought Bella on the show is she is incredibly well-known as a, uh, just like a real pro at Facebook groups. And I, I think at Facebook groups, you may have heard me admit that on the show before. I'm not very good at it. I don't understand why it's important. I don't know how to keep people engaged. I don't understand how to, you know, let it take off. And so what I do, I just kind of make these groups and kind of do nothing with them. And shocker, they don't really take off. And uh, Bella has a really, really great example. She gave me some of the most practical examples and tips to uh, start and grow and engage a Facebook group. And she has done that uh just so well. And she talks about it so well. She's got such a great energy and we had a really natural laid back conversation. And this is one of the first interviews I did. I've just been really antsy to get it to you and I'm excited to bring it to you today. She also sells, uh, shares this incredible story of what it was like when she gave birth to her first child. A really, um, really amazing moving story of, of what that was like. So stay tuned for that as well. So without further ado, enjoy this Sunday conversation chat with Bella Vasta. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. Bella Vasta is the uh, driving force between a one-woman coaching company, Jump Consulting, which she named after jumping out of a perfectly good airplane at 13,000 feet. And her motto is always keep jumping. And uh, it's a reflection of her philosophy and her coaching style and her conversation style as well. Uh, She's also been a, a trailblazer in the pet industry, forging a path for others to follow. She won the uh, National Pet Sitting Business of the Year Award by 25 years old. Then she built and sold her first company by 30 and her second company by 34. So she's just been doing awesome stuff, especially in the pet sitting industry. So we chat about Facebook groups. We chat about her pet sitting, sitting business. And also, like I said in the intro, about her micro preemie daughter who weighed only 12 ounces when she was born in 2014, which really flipped everything on its head for Bella and her business. And she shares all that with us today. So let's get to it. <laughs> All right, we now welcome to the podcast, Bella Vasta. Bella, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Cody. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this chat for quite a bit. And I wanted to start at the beginning. You are the CEO and founder of a company called Jump Consulting. And you do a lot of other things too that we'll talk about on the episode here. But take me back to that. How did you start? How did you get the idea to start Jump Consulting? Yeah, so, you know, Cody, one thing that I've been very fortunate about in my life is that everything's been very organic. And I've decided very early on to walk through doors because just as easily as you can walk through doors, you could turn around and walk right back out of them. So in 2002, I found myself a junior going to Arizona State University living at home. I was the firstborn, so my parents were very strict in addition to being Italian, and they did not want me to be out all night with my boyfriend or going karaoke like until two in the morning, which now that I'm a parent, I kind of understand that. They wanted to know I was safe and sound, right? I didn't like that. So um, when I had the opportunity to get paid to sleep over with two white dogs um, for a lady who would travel like three or four days a week for business, I jumped at the chance. I practically was willing to pay her. And I didn't know that kind of thing existed. So 
throughout college, I kind of got a little bit more and a little bit more. It was what we call in the industry a hobby sitter. Um, but when I graduated with a human communication degree, purely because my parents wanted me to, um, I decided that I wanted to go full-fledged with my business. So I did, and um, I started, you know, really um, got logos and websites and, you know, designed my first one. I think it was on Yahoo, mm -hmm. um, you know, all this stuff. And uh, in 2007, I actually got a national award from a national association of professional pet sitters. And it was like the National Business of the Year Award, which got me a lot of notoriety in our industry. A lot of pet sitters and dog walkers around the country started calling me and saying, how can I do what you do? And you got to understand too, if you remember back in like 2008-ish, it was just when Facebook was really mainstreaming and taking off. And so we weren't really have. I actually remember doing webinars about why you should have your business on Facebook. And now it's like a no brainer, right? But um, so we did, so I did that. And as I grew my business, I realized um, that although I love pets, what I really loved was pouring into people and seeing that light bulb go off on them. And so for a while I was doing both. I was coaching and also had my pet sitting company, which I grew to a six figure company with 10 employees, um, very heavily saturated in Scottsdale, Arizona. We had like a client on every street. That's what I mean by saturation as part of my marketing plan. Um, but I always felt that when I got married, I would sell that company. And that was always my plan. Like, I want to be a wife and a mom. And so lo and behold, I spent my 20s dating on Match.com. And when I was 32, I got married to my husband, Alex. And um, we honeymooned in Rome and came back and we were pregnant. And six months later, we had one of the world's smallest female babies born at only 12 ounces. Mm. So at the time, um, going through the horrors of it, the PTSD, the anxiety, the depression, um, and just the whole, like, is my daughter going to live? We spent six months, 182 days in the NICU, which is baby ICU. And um, when we came home, we had nurses in our home and she was on oxygen and all this stuff. And the whole time I had these two businesses I was running and trying to like keep her alive, literally. Hmm. So um, in 2016, I, uh, when, the, when the dust settled a little bit, my daughter was two, we decided to sell the business. So we sold the Petston company. And then in 2016 is when I went like doubled down on the coaching and that's grown to a six-figure business as well. And it's, um, it's amazing. I get to spend my days uh, pouring into pet sitting and dog walking companies. And then I get to spend my travels traveling around the country, talking to audiences about how to be a leadership over their own life and their business and their personal lives and marketing and Facebook groups. So that's the nutshell. <laughs> Wow, that's that's amazing. I didn't know a lot of the facts uh, of that of your of your story, and that's that's really amazing. One of the there's so many questions I have about that. One is the the, uh, the observation that you took what was a hobby and turned it into a professional business. So that was like transcendence number one to take this thing that you were doing kind of on the side, kind of for fun, making a little bit of money, to saying, wait, I can be professional here and actually make this a thing I'm really proud of. And then you did the second transcendence. I don't know if there's a third or fourth one coming, but where you took that and started you know, kind of an expert business, which is kind of one of the points of the Cody Bills a Business Show. I have my digital agency that's going fine and it pays, you know, for my expenses and events and it's going great. I serve private clients. And then this whole point of this podcast is me making, you know, I wrote a book, I've got the show going, I'm interviewing great people like you to learn more about how to continue to grow that, that other side of the business. And so you've done that time and time again. How has it affected you to sell the pet sitting business and really focus on the consulting and coaching and speaking and leadership side? 
So um, I started off uh, kind of a little bit ignorant and I was networking one day and I met a business broker and this is when I had my pet sitting company and I was like, I want to sell my business. And you know, a lot of business owners out there were very emotionally tied and we feel like, you know, our business is worth way more than it is. So I had a nice rude awakening call like about three years before I actually sold it. So I knew what I needed to do to make it the most like valuable asset possible. And that's how I started seeing it. So that was the first thing. Um, the second, uh, I might just lost my train of thought. What was the original question? Well, just when we try to do too many different things, I've seen it. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of going through that now. Do I keep the agency going and try to start the info right. business or expert business? And my intuition is like, well, what if I just fired all my clients or like, and so that'd be for me to be, you know, selling my business, so to speak, yeah. and really doubling down, like you said on that, what was that transition like? And then how has that, you know, positively affected you now that you can just focus on the one thing and it seems like you kind of light yeah. up and talk about it. It was, it was amazing because then when I was able to release that pet sitting company, um, and like I said, it was always part of my plan to release it. I never envisioned having it forever. I f figured out what my true passion was. Um, I, you know, it took me a good year to figure out what a good, like, reoccurring revenue stream would be and how not to be hustling every month and, and you know, how I needed to build that base and that foundation. Um, and it's amazing because it just kind of keeps evolving and changing and honestly blowing my wildest dreams. What I would say to you, if I can just be bold here, I would say don't ever release anything. See what you can hand off or create a system and process and empower a team of yours to take care of. Like don't lose out on that. And then you can step out of it and build, be the visionary, you know, like be on the top of that and figure out how to replace yourself figure out how to constantly put yourself out of a job. And that's kind of what I've been able to do in my consulting. We also have an agency side where we provide uh, graphics, blogs, I'm sorry, graphics, emails, content calendars, um, uh, square videos, co cover videos, I don't know, and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah. uh, to pet sitters every single month for a six month period at a time. And it's just the pet sitters. And so that I just put it on a process, you know, so we know every six months we have these deliverables. So it just takes proper planning and proper team building and proper leadership to really take ownership over it and to set it on its conveyor belt, you know? Yeah. One of the things that as I was reading through some of your posts on Facebook and your, and your group, you talked about, you have some unconventional ways that you encourage pet owners to run their business. Uh, uh, one of the things yes. you mentioned was around employees and you just touched on that too. It did strike a chord. Thank you for saying that and for being bold and, and upfront. Uh, that's something that I struggle with and I have a hunch other people might struggle with as well. So my team is I have a contractor who runs all my operations and I have a contractor who helps on my funnel implementation side. And then I run all the ads. I haven't found a way to duplicate myself when it comes to running high ticket ads. Now, when it moves to the coaching and consulting side and fulfilling on a group product, I have no problem releasing that and, and you know getting a team to help delegate that. But when it comes to not just me and not just pet owners, but anybody trying to build or grow or run a business, how do you, what do you say to them to get them off the ledge? And I love the name jump. I love you talk about parachutes and those things, but how do you get them, you know, to jump, so to speak, to hire an employee, to replace themselves, to fire them? What do they need to know about that? Um, so I don't think I can ever, the hardest, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn, and I think maybe you've learned this too, is that you can't get anyone to jump. I think it's just like when you literally are, I don't know if you've ever gone skydiving. I, I did. And that's why I like, created I will never go again either by the way but <laughs> maybe because I'm a wife and mom now but um when you're in that airplane if you say no I don't want to go they're not going to push you out 
like they're not going to push you out. They're going to still make you pay for it, but they're not going to push you out, right? Like you have to initiate that jump. But what they will do is they will stitch that parachute on the way down or know when to pull the parachute or know how to get you to land on target, right? And so I think that's a lot of the uh, the challenge there. It's It's grabbing the people when they are about to jump and then helping guide them through that process and let them and, and get, gain their trust to be reassured that I got you, I got you, I got you. I know this sounds unconventional. I know this isn't what everyone in the industry does, but it actually works. Here's some testimonials. I, not only did I do it, but look at all these other people that have done it and it works. And not only does it work, but it differentiates you. It disrupts the the marketing side of things when people are looking for a pet sitter or dog walker or whatever kind of business that you do you know it's taking this wheel and and just recreating it a little bit it, it exists but you've got to put your own spin on it so that you're not just another like you know noise out there yeah i want to circle back to something you said a few minutes ago when you talked about transitioning your business for sale uh, i think that's also an interesting topic and not something i'm very well versed in so you said you had to take some steps to prepare your company to be saleable or whatever to get the valuation you wanted would you mind sharing with us a couple of those tips that might be helpful Absolutely. for us as we as we i don't know it'd be fun to sell an agency someday or to sell <laughs> whatever other business people are in here what did you do to get your company ready for sale yeah. So a couple of things that I know that people wanted to see is, you know, first of all, anyone who buys your business is an investor, whether they're like a formally, like, you know, I'm an investor or I'm just going to take one or $200,000 out of my, our, you know, 401k and buy a business. They, they're expecting to see that money back in a year and a half or so. Okay. Yeah. So we have to understand that we have to prove our case over typically a three year span of great financials where it's really easy to understand. So the very first thing that I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is get your personal stuff out of the business. Like get it out. Like it doesn't belong there. There is a thing called discretionary, which, okay, you know, that's easy to like kind of take out, but generally you need to have it stuff separate. I also um, would encourage people to have their revenue streams broken out. So you know exactly how much reoccurring revenue you're getting. You know, like, um, I could give so many different examples, but like, okay, in my consulting business, I know exactly how much my mastermind brings in and how much of um, a revenue uh, 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 expenses it's running. I know exactly how much my agency brings in and I know how much expenses it has. So every one of my like uh, silos, if you will, or my revenue streams, I can break that down. Um, with my pet sitting business, um, and I think a consulting company might be a little bit harder to kind of sell because you and I are kind of like the, the genius of it, right? right? Like people come to us for it. Um, but with the pet sitting company, I already had the challenge that my company was called Bella's house and pet sitting. So everyone was like, you know, who's Bella. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I had to convince these people that my clients weren't used to dealing with Bella and only Bella and that they could actually step in with or without Bella being there. So I literally had to take my face and my face off the company and empower an office manager. So that's who was facing the public so that someone else, if they bought it, they're not now like, you know, facing the public. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's huge. And I think you're right. In, in an agency model, it might be difficult to replace. In fact, I had, I've never really told this story before, but I had 
it was when I learned a new word, it was called aqua hire. And a guy, they talking about acquisition. I was like, awesome, this could be great. Like <laughs> buy a yacht or a plane. Like, I don't know what, it, what should I do? You know? And he was like, well, like, we need you to work here and your salary is like, I don't know. It, it was a salary I wasn't comfortable with. And, and I got no equity and all that stuff. So it, and it, it reminded me like, oh yeah, they're just buying me. Like it's only me at this point. It's not saleable. Nobody could buy it. Nobody else. There's no system in place to yeah. the magic that I bring to it. And yeah. so that, that's why, I don't know. It's an interesting, the different business models that can be, I love how you said it, like fire yourself, make yourself replaceable. Uh, you know, Yeah. A, and it is. And I had that about a year ago, I had a a really large company approached me and I've never really said this publicly either. And it's like, they just literally wanted to buy me out and let me be their, you know, project manager on this thing they were doing. And I'm like, and they wanted all of my intellectual property, you know, like all the stuff they've created. And I'm like, no. And it was such a cool spot, just like you, I'm sure to be in, to realize that, wow, I have built something that's so incredible. Um, that someone actually wants my intellectual property for my IP. But even yeah. more so than that, I think because if anyone is listening and they're also in the same position of like an agency or a coach or a consultant, right? You have to even more be wise with the money that you're making. And you even more so have to understand your expenses and profits now, because whatever you're stashing away or investing right now while you're making is so important because it's not like it's going to be that easy, so to speak, to cash out later, unless you were to merge with another company or, you know, do something like that, if that's your exit strategy. But most of the consultants just kind of like die off, right? Like, okay, I'm not really consulting anymore or they migrate to something else. So when I had a service-based business, it was, it was a cool advantage because it really was building an asset. But so just think about it. Like I encourage anyone listening right now, if you're a consultant, like post back um, anywhere where you found this and, and tell us like, what is your exit strategy for a consultant? Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, feel free to share that. Send me an email or tag me on Facebook or something with your response to that, to that plan. And, uh, and I'll figure my, mine out as well. And <laughs> good conversation. So one of the things, uh, there's two big things I want to make sure we have time to cover today. One is around Facebook groups. The more um, I've gotten to learn more about you and, and your business and your expertise and how you serve the world, you have, you're good at so many things. But one of the things that kept coming up was your expertise in the area of Facebook groups. So I hear things like, Facebook groups aren't as important anymore because organic reaches down and they don't show the posts to the world anyways. So prove me wrong on that. Why, why Facebook groups now? How are people using it now in 2018 and beyond to grow their business? All right, Cody. So you have a front and backyard at your house. Please say yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So could you imagine having your family out front having a barbecue in your front yard, not inviting anyone else out there and, uh, you know, bathing in the sun and splashing in the pool. And like, that would just be kind of odd, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love the visual. Yes. That'd be weird. <laughs> and the reason is, is because that's like a private thing that happens. And, and that's why we do that in the backyard. The front yard is well manicured. It's to kind of like a one way kind of talk, like out to the world. So maybe your wife has like, you know, uh, Merry Christmas out there right now, or had like happy fall and, um, or maybe you're putting up lights or something, right? But it's like, 
it's nice, neat, professional. Anyone that comes to the front door is usually like the solar panel salesman asking if you want something, right? Yeah. Our pages are like the front lawn of our house and our groups are like the backyard. The backyard is where we invite the cool kids in. The backyard is where we serve them value, which could be a hot dog, a hamburger, a beer, do some cornhole, get in the pool, have some music. But the goal of the backyard in that group is not for everyone to come back there and just only listen and talk to you. It's for them to talk amongst themselves and create that community and be like, yes, I'm going to Cody's party. He has the best parties. Like I want to be there. And just like that, you would never invite people into your backyard for a party and then go in your house, lay down and take a nap. Like you just wouldn't. So the group is your backyard, Cody. And I, I cannot stress enough that, that there's no way group groups are exploding right now. And I would actually say that Facebook with all of the, the tools that they've been giving us the past six months or so, it's only getting better and better and better because they understand that people want to be uh, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They want to feel safe, which I can't post my problem on in your front yard on your page. Like the whole world can see it, right? There's this false sense of reality we have in the backyard, like, no one can take a picture and send it out to the world, right? Um, but these groups have this false sense of security, but there, there is a little bit of security. You know, you can be kicked out or, or whatever it might be. There's also this, this belonging that happens there. So um, everyone has the same problem or everyone uh, bought the same product or everyone lives in the same area or everyone's buying and selling something. You know, there's, or everyone's looking to lose weight or there's so many different uses for groups and groups have been exploding. And now when it goes into um, actual uh, uh, interaction, um, engagement, um, what happens is if you have a great group where people aren't just in the backyard sitting there looking at you, right? They're actually talking between each other. There's a conversation over in the corner while they're ax throwing or playing Jenga at the table. You know, there's all these different things going on. Facebook is going to reward you for that because people are actually interacting with each other. And that's what groups do. There's another really cool thing that I've really been uh, like researching a lot is I think a lot of people's behavior when they come online, they have like one or two or three groups, at least if you're marketers, and they, they go straight to it. You know, like what's going on in this group today if they don't already have the notifications on for that group. We, we might not check every single group that we go to because we're, we're probably members of more groups than we actually realize, but there are our top groups that we like to check in or if we see them come up in our newsfeed, we actually stop because they've gained our respect because they've given us so much value. So we can reverse engineer that, but I'll take a, I'll take a breath and we'll talk about how to create that value. But um, groups are not dead. Groups are very valuable um, and they, they humanize the brand that they represent. Okay. Now I've got 32 more questions. I'm going to try, know, to, I try to get to. I love the analogy. I love the mental picture. That's hilarious and, and really well said. So thank you for sharing that. So yeah. let's talk about how to initiate that. Well, let me tell you my experience, I guess, first, what I've tried and what hasn't worked so far. I have a uh, free Facebook group. I think it's called the One Hour Funnel Group. People can join it by downloading the free book or buying the book, The One Hour Funnel, and then they can join the group. Now, that doesn't happen uh, with a lot of frequency. And I'm not, that's it. your backyard example is hilarious because they could join and they're like, well, why is there only one person in here and where's Cody? Like, I thought this was his backyard. Like, why is he not here? So it's not a very engaged group. So 
Uh, there's probably about 100 people in that group. Um, I don't have a strategic plan that I'm getting people to join the group. And then I also have a private paid group that's uh, for my paid people going through my group coaching and my, my it's not a private client work, it's more group implementation. Like you said, they all have a similar problem with a similar vernacular and similar goals and things like that. So let's talk about the maybe the free group first, but give me some strategies on how to create and grow and establish that Facebook group. I, I hear this so much and I experience it too. I'm afraid that I'll start a group and there'll be 13 people there and not 1300 and there's no conversation and people are like, well, it's kind of dead in here and a tumbleweed blows through and they're like, I guess I'll just leave or they turn off notifications or whatever. How do we get started? How do we get momentum? How do we get people going? All right. So you have the popularity block. You want to be the popular kid in school and you can't be, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And, um, and you just admitted that you aren't even, you're, you're putting forth no effort expecting it to be great. So, and you already know how to do all of this stuff. So I'm just going to remind you because I'm yeah, definitely okay, not like teaching you new things, but we'll just, we'll remind you because Cody, you are not alone. Every single podcast that I've done that I've talked about Facebook groups, everyone says the same thing. They really do. And so what you've got to do is you've got to do a content plan for it, just like you would anything else online, Cody. So um, I'll give you an example of my mastermind. I, uh, and, and my free, no, I'll do my free group since we're talking about my free group. So I have a plan that every Friday I'm going to go live in there. And then anytime we post a podcast or, um, or we have a new freebie download, or I've been interviewed somewhere, there's something, there's always stuff that's being created. I'll throw it in the group, right? Cause that's just a free group and it's like, whatever. But the value of that is that they can connect with each other. And it's also acts as my top of funnel because it's a big free group. People are able to start like getting indoctrinated into like, you know, what, who Bella is and what this jump consulting is. And oh my God, every time I ask a question, she has a blog to answer it. Like, wow, like there's a resource there. There's a podcast here. And they just start getting into my ecosystem that way. So you have to like figure out like, what is the purpose of this free group? I just clicked to join your one hour free group. Um, so I could go through it while we were online here, but, <laughs> um, you know, one hour funnel. Um, what, what's, what's our purpose of being here? Why do you want these people here? Is it to get them into your group coaching? Is it to just all hang out and do nothing? Like whatever your purpose is, you've got to create some consistency around it. Now, you decide what that consistency is. It could be once a week, like I was saying, my Facebook Live. It could be three times a week. It could be twice a week. It could be a graphic and a thing. But what you don't want to do is this whole manic Monday, wacky Wednesday, finally Friday, tasty Tuesday. Like, don't do that stuff because people just get glazed over. The best thing that you actually can do, um, especially because it's one hour funnel dash Cody Birch, is put yourself in there, like go live, be there for the people and, and, um, and do it. And then when people do obviously engage, you know, Facebook one-on-one, not just like, Hey, that's cool. That's awesome. What made you do that? What, why do you think that like, you know, ask those questions back to them to get it really rolled out. Once you get a group going, what's going to happen, Cody is, is at first you are going to be, Hey, would you like a hamburger? Would you like a hot dog? There's cornhole over there. You're kind of like, like uh, orienting them to all of the different possibilities and things that they can do in the group. But you have to set up the cornhole. You have to set up the pool so that it's swimmable. You know, you have to set up all these different things in there depending on what your 
uh, purpose of the group is. And then once they have those things to do, they will start talking amongst themselves. So the group naturally goes from a, they come there and then you're, you're really the content leader. You're the one pouring in to they actually start talking amongst themselves, answering each other's questions. And that's where the group really starts forming. I didn't uh, look at what your questions were when we came in here uh, because I was you know, on this podcast with you. But the questions, you have the opportunity to ask three questions. One question I think should always be, what's your email? That's kind of like, that's what you got to give me to get in my group that I spend time trying to nurture and create. Like, that's just your entry. The other one could always be, what's your biggest challenge surrounding funnels, you know? And that is going to be content for days for you, Cody. So that's going to help you create products. It's going to help you guide your business. It's going to help you figure out um, Facebook lives or graphics or blogs or emails and everything. And from that, you can, you can upcycle it and do, you know, create a podcast. And it's, there's endless opportunities that a group provides you if you only let it and, and show up. You got to show up. Yeah, that's great. I think for me, that's, it's, uh, I'm already making content regularly. I publish my podcast three times a week, sometimes four. And so I've already got, uh, I've already got the stuff and can have conversations about that. I, I'm glancing back through it now sheepishly, but it's recently I've asked people, you know, if they'd like to be a guest on my show, which is, uh, part of how you and I are talking, not through my group, but through that same call to action. I, I asked people to send me their funnels and we could review them in the group. So if you have a link you want some feedback on, go ahead and post it. And then I posted something about um, a milestone hit on the you, podcast itself. When you do that feedback on the funnel, are you typing back to them? Uh, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm afraid. To, I, I think I am, but I, we can both find out here in a minute. <laughs> like if it's going down to that post. So what would be kind of cool there? is if you got on Loom and you're like, hey, I'll give you a one minute feedback on your funnel um, for anyone who just joins the group, right? Or just like, you know, Feedback Friday, you could do feed because that, that Feedback Funnel Friday, like that you could make that a theme because that, that goes into what you're doing, right? Funnel Friday, post your funnel here and I'll give you a one minute Zoom link by Sunday, uh, Zoom, uh, sorry, Loom video recording. Yeah. Yep. Tell me what I think of your funnel or where two rooms for improvement or something. Yep. So now I've got this crazy, you know, value to join your group. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to get them that win quickly. And what I've been doing for my business too is around, I feel like a quick win for people that come into my world is if they can get their funnel mapped out and say, hey, I want to arrange it this way. I want it to look and flow this way. What do you think? Mm -hmm. That'd be a great way to welcome people to the group. Show me, and I, that's kind of what I tried with this. It's a Jerry Maguire picture. It says, show me your funnel. With <laughs> over it, and he's yelling into the phone. Two people commented and they sent me links. And I didn't do a Loom video, but they, I did comment on both of them and, and you know started the conversation there. Um, there are, I think the loom video would be cool because yeah. Cody, we have this thing that it's like, a, we are a voyeuristic society. If yeah. we are on, if we're watching TV and they show us someone's cell phone, like it's kind of like we're looking over their shoulder. What do you do? You yeah. pause the TV, you run up to it and you read the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, we all do it. Yeah. And we're very voyeuristic and we want to see Ooh, what does Cody's screen top look like? What does his desktop look like? What kind of buttons does he have up there? What kind of like, you know, or what does this person's funnel look like? You know, and if they're one minute videos, so it's not a big commitment and you, and funnels are complicated, right? 
then a one minute loom video is so easy to do and actually will probably take you way less time than typing out trying to describe things, you know? No, that's great feedback. So a big takeaway for me and for everybody listening would be if you have a, if you don't have a Facebook group, number one, you should. And yeah. if you do have one, then don't be like me and you know never show up in it, but have a, an intentional content plan. Thank you for releasing me from the pressure I was putting on myself to have the motivation Monday and the terrible Tuesday and the whatever. Oh, don't do it. I've been in groups <laughs> like that and it's sometimes it's just the I don't know, it'd be like the backyard barbecue example and me, be me peeking out the screen door saying, does anybody want some, uh, some lima beans? And they're like, no, I don't. Like, stop asking. Like, stop, stop <laughs> offering this thing that we don't care about. Exactly. Like, just they want. just glaze over. Yeah. And I think the other thing about your group is, um, so you said that you have uh, like, you know, three or four podcasts a week. So yeah. maybe just pick one day and just post a link of them, like, like a list of them. Like, hey, this week, uh, podcast roundup. If you don't do weekly emails and you can be like this week on the thing we had, um, Bella and we talked a lot about Facebook groups. We had Molly and she talked a lot about whatever. And, you know, and here are the three links. If any of this, you know, appeals to you, then maybe what you're doing is like almost creating a brand, uh, maybe a brand guide for your Facebook group. So that could be one way to post it. Another way would be maybe, um, you do a, a blooper or you do a, um, this is a, a tiny excerpt from this one and you do that, what is it called? Handler or something where you can do those little excerpts and be like, click here to listen more. So you, what I'm saying is you can create different templates to give them your podcast. So it's again, not the same thing every Thursday saying, okay, we had three podcasts this week. Here they are. And it's just talking yeah. at them, but it's like grabbing really cool stuff. You know, who does this really well is, um, 360 marketing. Um, I think that's what it's called with Stephanie Liu and Mike Alton and Amanda Robinson and Jen Herman. Okay. They do these really cool bloopers on their Facebook lives, like that what happens inside their group. And then they post them on Facebook, like on their Facebook pages, which is just genius. I want to start doing that too. But they take cool things that happen inside and then put it outside, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, so one, one of the things I tried as well in re, around repurposing content was I would uh, send, I would record a podcast and enjoy it. And I would take the best of the podcast of that week. And I would tell a story about it and send that to my email list. That's been growing quickly now that the book has been released. And that's the main way people come into my universe currently. And then inviting them to join the group. And then I would post some of those kind of the content repurposing, literally copying and pasting and sometimes changing the context a bit to my personal profile, which I don't love doing. It's not what Facebook's intended for, for me to post like a business idea on my personal profile, but I'd post that in the group. I'd post it as an article in LinkedIn. I'd make it, now I've got my new website up. I post it on my website. So I I found that to be okay. But then I I honestly, again, I, you're right. I guess I want to be the popular kid at the, you know, on the block hosting a great barbecue. I was like, it'd get like two engagements in the group because there's a hundred people. And so I did the wrong thing, which is stop doing it you know what uh i think a lot of people get like that i like that you post it everywhere you know damien ross does that too and and i um first of all you can use things like zapier to help you like cross post stuff or cross upload videos and stuff but um i think that you are going to attract different audiences on different platforms so even if you only have two on one of them that's okay you know if you have two on LinkedIn, cause that's two more than you would have had if you didn't post there. And then you post it on Twitter and then you post it on YouTube and then you post it on Facebook video and then you post it in your group, you know, 
as long as you just create a process for it and that's something you could hand off to your VA contractor you're saying you had, yep. you know, and just create like a, a procedure for it. Why not? Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, anything else that I haven't asked you think I should be asking about the group? I mean, very practical takeaways and tips. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Well, I think one of the um, obvious ones that go into it is how do I build my group? How do I get people in there? Right. And that's always like a, um, a roadblock a lot of people have because of the popularity thing. So guys, it's not a popularity contest. I would rather you have 50 people in your group that are engaged than 5,000 with five people in like, you know, talking. It's, it's, it's not a numbers thing. It's not bigger is always better. It really isn't. Um, in fact, I would argue that the more intimate a group is, the smaller it is, the more safe that people feel. Therefore, the more the more they might buy from you because it feels like it's like a private cool kid club, right? Um, I mean, think about it. If you were at a huge backyard party or a small intimate one, where do you feel like you get the most value? Yeah, the small one for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, how do we get people in the group? Let's just, let's talk about that real quick because I think it's really important. Um, all right, everyone has a Facebook icon, right? And it's like on their website, sometimes it's in their email. I want to challenge you to consider putting that, a link to your group. Why can't you do that instead of your Facebook page? Let's just put them straight in the group. If that group is the top of your funnel, if it's like, you know, that free catch-all group that you want to move people through your funnel. Um, I would encourage you to do that because I think that it'll come up much more on your feed long-term once you get that engagement going. Um, another thing you can do is depending on what the value is to your group, let's say um, my pet sitters do a lot of like um, uh, like Scottsdale dog lovers or what's up in Scottsdale, you know, like, and it's, it's a community page, whether it's a, a pet community page or just a community community page. And it talks about everything that's going on in, in the area. So you could be like, Hey, I live in Scottsdale. Want to know what's going on like this weekend, join our group where we, you know, chat it all up. Um, so whatever your value is, don't be afraid to put like a byline in your email on that on your Facebook page you can do a video or a Facebook cover that really draws attention to the top right corner. You have the ability to change that blue button to say visit group or visit community. And so you can change that button and get people into there because I would argue that it's actually once you get people into your group and you have their email because you're asking those questions, right? It's easy to get them to like your page, but if the real sales and the real relationship building happened in the group, why not just bypass the page? Now, you still do need a page, but you could do that. Something else you can do too is when you are like, you know, teasing these um, funnel Fridays, if you have them, right? right? You could go on your IG stories or your Facebook stories and you could tape a short video showing what's going on, but right before you get to the juice of it, you can cut it off. Chris Strub does this really well. And what he did is he got a URL uh, socialwoodstrub.com and that redirects to his Facebook group. So just getting a URL works as well. So it's, um, you know, funnels with Cody or I don't know, whatever it is. Um, it's so much easier than, Oh, Bella, go to Facebook and, you know, look up one hour funnel with Cody. Well, is it the number one or is it spelled out? And how do you spell your last name? And I couldn't find it. And, but if you just have an easy URL to send me to that redirects to the group, that also is really easy. Um, there's, uh, you can just send out a mass email saying, hey, we have this group and these are the top three reasons why you might wanna be in it. And you can make them funny. 
You know, like you wouldn't get to see what I looked like yesterday and like funny, I don't know. You yeah. could do something funny. Like, yeah. don't be afraid to put your personality into it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, let's talk about the last thing on here. And uh, the, my last question around this is, so this is happening now. You get a group, you're proud of it. You're doing everything you just said and all those knowledge bombs that you are dropping. And the group is growing. It's getting engaged. They're having great conversations. What are some tips you have to then elegantly monetize that group to start to give you money? So um, again, it kind of goes back to your business plan. Um, if it's a top of the funnel group, uh, your next thing would be to move them into a smaller group. I know one company that, um, they just have a $5 a month group. I mean, so that's like so super simple and they just deliver so much value. And then their next level is a little bit, was like a couple hundred a month. And then it's the last one is like a massive expensive mastermind, right? But what you're doing is you're getting people in to indoctrinate them. Um, then there's other ones that are, you know, you can, um, you're in there and because it is that intimate group, which means that, you know, you know, like, and trust each other very well because it's not this massive block party. When, when they say, Hey, I have this, I, I came out of the house and I'm serving a new dish that just came out of the oven. Most people are looking at that like, Hmm, that smells good. Like, yeah, I'll try some. Because all the other stuff you served me was so good. Are you following my analogy there? Or am I yes. getting crazy? No, I love it. I love food and I love barbecues. And <laughs> okay. I, I now love Facebook groups. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, so it's, it's totally just like that. They're gonna, what I'm trying to get across is that they're going to be much more apt to try your food and be attentive when it is not a popularity contest. And it is smaller intimate. And when I say smaller, that's relative. Small could be a thousand right. it, or it could be, you know, a hundred. Um, it really depends on the leadership. So, um, yeah, that, that, those are some. <laughs> so it, in that way too, kind of treating it uh, almost like I would hope people are treating their email list saying, Hey, there's a community of people and, 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 and even better though, cause your Facebook groups are engaged with each other where in your email list, it's very one to many, uh, right there in the group, you're making a network of people that when you do bring that dish out of the kitchen, so to speak, they're more apt to, to, to try it. Yes. Uh, really yes. And the cool thing is, is that like, unlike email, you can see when like, you know, Mary tries it and she's like, mm, that was good. <laughs> Everyone else sees her saying that Yeah. because it's a group. If it was an email, it's, there's like all siloed out, like nobody knows or hears anyone else's reaction. So then you start getting social proof going on in there. Yeah. Awesome. Or Great. someone's like, Actually, the casserole that came out like, you know, an hour ago is also really good. You should try that one too. It's like, ooh, okay. Can you hand me that casserole? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you are, are make, yeah, you're making me hungry. And I think that's, that's a, I think that's a good place to, to stop for today. You've given me so much actionable content for, for myself. Thank you for being so generous with your knowledge and encouraging us all to take action. I know I'm going to have to listen to this a couple of times and I took as many notes as I could while trying to be engaged in the conversation as well. So <laughs> thank you again for being so generous with the knowledge bombs that you had and, uh, and all that. I just really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was so much fun. Thanks for having me, Cody. So, Hey Bella, where can people go to learn more about you? I know your expertise for a while has been in, well, so many things, but around the pet sitting business, but you, you did mention that you, you help people like me. You just gave me a ton of value and I'm not a pet sitter. Uh -huh. People follow you along and learn more about what you do and how you help people. Yeah. So, um, so my website is bellavasta.com. Be like Invictor, A-S-T-A. 
And uh, you can friend me on Facebook. Uh, just look me up. And um, that's definitely the first thing. Like, I just love building relationships with people. Uh, but then if you know of anyone looking for someone to speak on uh, sales or leadership or Facebook groups um, or consult with a company on how they can monetize theirs, um, I'm your girl. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, I'll link that up in the show notes. And thank you again, Bella, for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cody. Hey, Cody Birch here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Bella. When she was talking about the front yard and the backyard and you don't grill burgers in the front yard, that that would be weird. It's just kind of this private thing for your friends. It's in the backyard. It's behind the gate. I thought that was so simple. I remember running uh, to my wife after this interview and saying, Bella gave me the most like silly, practical metaphor for why Facebook groups matter and, and how to do it. And so I hope you enjoyed this chat with her. And hey, I wanted to mention this something new that I've got working. I've always got something in the hopper and it's the one hour funnel book. So you can get uh, your own physical copy, onehourfunnelbook.com. I launched the funnel last week and got a, uh, some, got a bunch of orders on a Friday, like day one, I promoted it, which was super fun. So I'm, um, I got a stack of books in my office. I only have about, I don't know, 72 books or something like that. And so uh, I'm, until they run out, you can get a physical copy of the book, just cover shipping and a nominal fee to pay my children to package it for you and get it out the door. Um, go to onehourfunnelbook.com and I'll even sign it if you're into that sort of thing. So send me a DM or an email at uh, Cody at onehourfunnel.com if you say, hey, would you mind signing the book? It's such a, a weird thing when people ask you to sign something. It's still new to me, but um, a lot of people do that and I like to ask people who've written their first book, I like to ask them to sign it as well. So anyways, go get your book. As long as I have some left, onehourfunnelbook.com and I will plop one in the mail to you. Right now it's US only. I haven't figured out international shipping at one order in from Canada and had to shoot a video and say, hey, oops, like I don't know how to get this to you cheap or either you need to pay more or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but US only uh, for the moment. Go check it out and I will see you there.